You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And I hope that you were having a good Friday. Grant Napier on Listen Up. And uh, obviously, we start with the big news, and uh, it happened last night on the field in Cincinnati as the, the Bengals uh, won against the Miami Dolphins. And of course, the big story was the uh, hit that uh, Tua suffered in the second quarter. He was carted off the field. Uh, he is currently in concussion protocol. He did get out of the hospital. He did accompany the team home on their flight. So, uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, went through the press conference last night. Uh, he said that his availability for the game on Thursday was approved by a layer of medical people, all right, uh, including an independent neurologist who examined Tua after the Buffalo spill game when he hit the back of his head all right, and stumbled for a little bit before taking, uh, being taken into the locker room. The NFL PA uh, was not happy, to say the least. They asked for a review by the National Football League, and we'll see what happens now. We'll see what happens now, all right? But uh, the Dolphins said that their protocols were followed to a T. McDaniel said, I have 100% conviction in our process regarding our players. This is a player-friendly organization. I make it very clear from the onset is here for the players. I take that very seriously. No one in the building strays from that. If there would have been anything lingering with his head, I wouldn't have been able to live live with myself if I prematurely put someone out there and put them in harm's way. This is a relationship that I have with this human being. I take that serious. I wouldn't have put him out there if there was any inclination given to me whatsoever that he was endangering himself from that previous game. All right? There we go. That was last night. All right. So my take on this is I thought social media was unbelievably irresponsible last night. I thought it was awful. And I thought it was a sad commentary. I think it was a microcosm of where our society is. Everyone wants to be judge and jury. Everybody, you know, thinks that they know everything that's going on when they know very little 
about what's going on, okay? They see a player get injured in a game on Sunday. Myself was included. I did a rant on this that I did not think it looked like a back injury to me. But I also didn't say that he had a concussion. I just said the optics were not good there, okay? And then he goes out on Thursday, does suffer a concussion, and everybody is coming to the conclusion that he's had two concussions in four days and that the doctors of the Dolphins should be fired and the trainers should be fired and the coaching staff should be fired. I mean, it's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's a complete overreaction, okay? Let the NFL PA in the NFL do a complete review of what happened with Tua at the game on Sunday, and let's see what they have to say, all right? Let's see what they have to say. Again, on Sunday, they said that there were uh, – he said that he did not suffer a concussion on Sunday against the Bills. Now, according to the NFPA, what everyone saw – quote, what everyone saw both Sunday and last night were no-go symptoms within our concussion protocols. The protocols exist to protect the player, and that why is we initiated an investigation. All right? So we'll see what happens. Do I think that the Miami Dolphins endangered to his career by putting him on the field on Thursday? No, I don't. Do I believe Josh McDaniels? Yes, I do believe him. Or excuse me, do I believe Mike McDaniel? Yes, I do. All right? There we go. McDaniels said this today. I had no worries whatsoever. I'm in steady communication with this guy day in, day out. We're talking about high-level football conversations about progressions and defenses and recalling stuff from two weeks previous, and then him having to reiterate a 15-word play call. All things, absolutely no signs. There was no medical indication from all resources that there was anything regarding the head. Beyond an eyeball test, which I know for a fact you guys would not be very comfortable if I was just relying on it. I mean, it's the reason why we have tests. He did not have a head injury. So guys hit their heads all the time. And that's why I was adamant he was evaluated for having a head injury and he did not have one. And when I tell you he was in complete mental concert talking to us through it, and then he played the whole game, and then he did a press conference, and then did full media all week. If I were to sit someone for a medical issue going against medical people abstractly, then why do I play him again? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. That makes perfect sense to me, all right? Now, Tua went and had an MRI today. And the team said he's in concussion protocol. And he said, quote, I have literally have no timetable or even thought about it regarding his return. That's where I would feel irresponsible is even thinking about it. I want him to get all the evaluations possible. I want him to do all the things recommended from all of the medical counterparts. And I want him to get on the road to recovery from that as a human being. And then we'll cross that bridge. But in terms of a timetable of crossing that bridge, I have zero idea. So there you have it. But again, you know, if you talk about social media and everything else, 
Everyone has their answers. Everyone knows all the facts. Everyone jumps to conclusions. All right. It was a joke. Social media was embarrassing last night. It was embarrassing last night. And again, I think it's a microcosm of how effed up our society is. All right. Everyone wants to be judge and jury. Everyone wants to convict. Everyone wants to cancel. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. It really is a joke. All right. If you want to get in on the program, hit your hand icon and we'll do it. Monday, 3 o'clock Pacific, YouTube Live. Circle that on your calendar Monday at 3 o'clock Pacific. All right. Let's get to uh, some phone calls. We get the show rolling here on a Friday. We also will take your football picks today. Antonio, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Grant. Hey, um, you know, to speak the obvious, we know this is a valid sport. Um, I almost I had a chance to talk to a, a former Raider back in the day, George Beeler. He, he kind of related to like the Roman theater of the, the, the gladiators fighting the lion, the lion's trying to kill you. And it's just it's a brutal sport. Last night was something I, I you know, I go back to Turkey Jones slamming Terry Bradshaw. If you got if you have any young kids out there, YouTube that Turkey Jones slamming Terry Bradshaw. I think Terry might have went in convulsions, but to see that last night and then see everybody on social media, like you said, Grant, um, at first it was hard to watch, but then to see all the the, the iPhone, the you know, the keyboard doctors come out and people think they know all this stuff. Um, I actually just I turned it off, man. I, I just turned it off. I watched the game, but um, it's a brutal sport. I mean, I've been watching it for darn near 50 years, so nothing surprises me, no, Grant. And, and God forbid, and don't ever want to see this happen. God forbid someone actually dies on the field. I mean. The way they are, this sport, you got the biggest, you guys, guys bench pressing 550 pounds, running four, 4.340s, and, and guys that are 320 pounds running in, it's a car accident out there, and that guy just flung down onto him, and it was, it was hard to watch, Grant, I gotta, I, I can't lie about that, it was, it was tough to see that guy get, get what, how he was, his body, his hands were, it was really hard to watch. Yeah, it is hard to watch. The reality is it's a violent game. You know, it's a violent game, as you pointed out. It's also that that was commonplace 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years ago. And those players, you know, would have come back and played in the second half. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. We now have more uh, medical technology. We have more science. We have more data. We now understand about head injuries. And so there's a, there's a lot more caution. But the era that you're referring to, you know, I mean, that was commonplace in the NFL, and it happened all the time. And if we think the game is violent now, the game's not anywhere near as violent as you used to be. Now, the point you made is spot on. Players are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and so your collisions are more high impact. But in terms of the violence of the game, the game was much, much more violent in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s. It's not even close. It was much more violent. Go watch how you know John Lynch used to play. Go look at how Ronnie Lott used to play. Then go back in the 60s and go watch how, uh, you know, again, uh, there were so many, so many, Larry Wilson, how he played with the Arizona Cardinals and go on and on. It's just, that's just the way the game was played. We get that. Go go ask Fred Belitnikoff what it was like running across the middle. You know, go ask George Atkinson and Jack Tatum. Well, you can't ask Jack, unfortunately, because he's not with us anymore. But go, go, go and, you know, look at some of their quotes from when they played. Uh, and and how they used to hit wide receivers running across the field. If you think the game is violent now, for those of that are the younger generation, go watch video of the way the game used to be played. Yeah, go, you know, watch Super Bowl uh, 
13, I think it was Cowboys and the Steelers, and both of those quarterbacks took a beating. But, uh, yeah, you know, what a, what a, what a, what a tough thing. I'll give you my picks, but nobody wants to get on. So I'm taking the uh, Cowboys over Washington. Um, I'm taking I'm, – I'm going I, – I, don't, I, don't, I, I just want to feel like the Ravens are going to get the Bills. I'm just going to go for that. I'm going out on, on, on the limb on that. I like the Jaguars with the points. Um, maybe they might be the surprise team of the AFC. And I think we all said a couple of days ago, I think the AFC West might have been a little overrated. It's still early. And, of course, I can never get away. And I'll be there at Allegiant Stadium the first time I get to go to the – the new stadium. I've been to the LA Coliseum when he was yeah, LA Coliseum. I've been to Oakland Alameda Council. Man, I'm taking the Raiders over the Broncos in a classic matchup that I've been watching for my whole lifetime. Like you used to watch your your Cowboys and Giants yeah. play for, you know, so I am excited, Grant, and I'm looking forward. I'll be subscribing to your, your show on Monday, man. And uh thanks for all your hard work, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great time at the game Sunday, buddy. Enjoy that experience. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Let's go along and get to uh, Al. Al will join us right here on Listen App. Good afternoon, Al. Hey, Nick. I was just calling to make my picks, but I just wanted to like, comment on this two thing. Let me ask you. When he got hurt against uh, Buffalo, I think if I'm understanding, someone was saying he really he should have gone to the locker room. He did go to the locker room. room. No, uh, according to the NFL protocol, if a player exhibits the symptoms that Tua exhibited, he would be considered a no-go, meaning that regardless of what diagnosis was, uh, what, what regardless of the diagnosis, he would not return to that game. That's what right. the NFLPA is stating. They're stating based on the visual symptoms after the hit where he landed on his head, that right. the symptoms that he exhibited fall into the protocol of no-go. No-go means that you're out for the rest of that game. That's what the NFLPA is contending. I got you. And, man, it looked to me, he he was he was scoofed, man. He was staggering. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, I guess, but I, that's not a – you've said this already. That's, that's not a back injury. Come on, man. Again, know. I'm not – but I but – I, are you there? Because I wasn't there in the locker room, and I'm not an independent right. neurologist, and I'm not any of those things, okay? An independent neurologist said he didn't have a concussion, said he yeah. had no symptoms of a concussion at all. So, I, again, I, I can't explain it. I'm not in the medical profession. But right. the fact is that every single medical person cleared him of okay. any concussion symptoms and head injury after that game on Sunday and during the game and subsequently during the week. And that's why he played last night. Did anybody talk, interview him after, yes. during the week yes. and after the game? He did, he did an, he, he, yeah, yeah they, he did an entire post-game press conference after the game. He did his media availability during the week. Yes, he, he did all of his media obligations. And again, he did, he did, he did a full, full media session after the game on Sunday. Okay. Well, here's my picks. Okay, I'm going to go with the the Cardinals um, against the Panthers. The, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I like the Steelers. And I'll take the Vikes in London. So have a good day, man. We talk, listen to you on uh, Monday morning on YouTube. Take care. Hey, Al, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Bye-bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. Uh, And by the way, that's Monday, not morning. That is Monday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, Pacific time. Thank you, Al. If you want to get in on the program with your picks, all you got to do is hit your hand icon, uh, raise your hand, and we will do it. The, 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 The problem with the tour is the visual aspect of all of this, okay? What our eyes told us is not what the diagnosis was so our eyes told us oh my gosh she's got a head injury but the medical test did not in any way come up to that conclusion so our eyes are like oh boy Tua just got dinged he's got uh to come out of the game uh he's seeing stars he has a concussion and then we see him start the third quarter after the dolphins put out a release that he had a head injury. Now, I can only speculate on this, okay? That the Dolphins were watching the same thing that you and I were watching. And so without even speaking to the doctors, they came to the conclusion that he had a head injury. So they put out the statement to the media. That's the only thing I can think of, right? That's how obvious it was to the Fan base and everyone watching the game. He hit the back of his head. He got wobbly, dazed. We come to the conclusion he's not going to play. Even Dr. Chow, I retweeted it, said he would not be coming back into the game. Right? The football doctor. Well, he's back in the game. So people are like, God, what's going on? How could he be back on the field? Because everyone rushed to judgment and became a doctor on Sunday. Everyone. Everyone was a doctor. Myself included, by the way. I said, that's not a back injury. But I didn't necessarily know that he had a concussion. And I don't believe that all of the doctors that examined Tua are lying. Do I believe that an independent neurologist would fabricate a diagnosis? For what reason? Come on. Come on now. All right. Let's get to uh, some other phone calls, and we uh, check in with Ryan in Sacktown. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Grant. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. What's happening? Nothing much. Hey, um, you know, something you said, and I, I do agree with the fact that a lot of people rushed to judgment last night, and some of the stuff I as well saw on social media was a little bit concerning, but 
we're talking about a thing or a couple of things that are not mutually exclusive. If the NFL protocol and you and I have never been in a locker room, as far as I know, when a player is being tested, but if there is telltale signs that it is a concussion and they shouldn't even be tested from that point forward, how does that work? Why was Tua even tested? They're always tested. Players are always tested for concussion symptoms. Uh, I mean, they're tested for those even I mean, there are there are, there are players that are tested for uh, concussions in the middle of the game that you don't even know about. There are eyes in the box that are looking at every play and on replay. And if they see an exhibit of any player that appears to have had a blow to the head, they have to come out and they have to be examined. And a lot of times we don't even know about it. So, yeah, you're right. But correct me if I'm wrong. You said the NFLPA, their contention is – it, it, the test shouldn't even matter. He showed in signs. that in that particular game. You're right. In not not last night's game. Right. In right. Sunday's game. Yes, you're 100 percent right. correct. Okay. So does this change? Why was the protocol not followed? Is that? Well, I don't know. I mean that that's a very good question. I do not know why the protocol was not followed in terms of uh, why he was allowed back on the field. That is alarming. But assuming that the NFL made a mistake, assuming that the Dolphins should not have put him on the field because he exhibited the no-go protocol, that doesn't mean he had a concussion. And it doesn't mean that he should not have been on the field last night. One doesn't really have anything to do with the other. They're separate. Grant, what, what did you think about last night? Uh, I forget who said that they were alarmed by it. That I almost had to turn the TV off, too. And, you know, I sent you a message and I'm like, look, this is going to be a big deal. And this it was really hard to see. And the other person that called and said, look, these guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster every single year. You know, like, is the NFL sustainable with the way these guys play? Honestly, I I don't like seeing anybody get hurt. Um, I didn't turn it off. Uh, I wasn't turned off by it. Uh, I acknowledge that it's part of the game. It's no different than a race car driver going 220 miles around an oval and getting in an accident and losing their life. It comes with the territory. Every player that goes out onto the field understands that the risk that they are taking. Now, does that mean I didn't care that he, no, but, but I've been watching football since 1962. I've seen a lot of bad stuff on a football field. I also understand that in that situation, the NFL takes every single precaution at that point. They'll take a half hour to get the player off the field, strap, no head movement onto a stretcher, all of that. And, and almost every single time, not every, but almost every single time we hear that the individual has full motion with their extremities, uh, they're out of the hospital, and in a lot of instances, they even accompany the team home on the airplane like Tua did last night. That's, that's generally what happens at almost every single instance. That is what happens. So I always keep that in mind that, okay, it looks bad right now, but it's not nearly as bad as it looks. And I was thinking that as I was watching Tua, I was saying to myself, boy, this looks bad, but you know what? It's probably not nearly as bad as it looks. And unfortunately, that was the case. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fortunately, sorry. You guys know my dog now. He always jumps around in the background. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, like the thing I think about is I look at what the NFL has done 
for player safety, right? And I'm sure you've heard this from a number of NFL players. They would rather get hit in the head than get hit in the knee because that's going to be a career-ending injury, and they're thinking more long-term with their heads. But you're talking about some of the guys from the 60s and the 70s. Look at the lifespan, right? So where does the NFL go from here in terms of player safety? I mean, how much more can you change the game uh, with the exception of equipment? Well, first of all, there were a lot of players that played in the 60s and the 70s that had full lifespans and lived until their 80s. So, I mean – there are there are actually the vast majority of players that played in that era and obviously there were some like had dementia and and blah 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 what we're now learning about is cte because you know upon an individual's death if they do donate their brain to science uh or if there's a fatality like we had with junior seau where he took his life and the family donates the brain we are then learning a lot more about the effects of CTE, but we can't diagnose CTE in a person until that person is no longer alive. So, you know, we're we're learning more and more and more, but there were many football players that played in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s that have lived full lives and had no issues later in life. So, you know, you gotta be careful, and I know you are, but we all have to be careful that we just assume I mean, look at boxers. You know, I mean, how many – I'll ask you this. How many well-known boxers do you know that you look at later in their life and go, oh, they have no symptoms? I mean, it seems like almost every time I hear an interview with a well-known famous boxer from the era that I just described, if they're still alive, you're like, oh, my gosh, what a shame. You know, what? You, they can't talk. They have dementia. They're, they're – you know, I mean, why don't we talk about that? No, you're right, Grant. And it comes down to quality of life. You're you're exactly right. You can be alive, but you can't have a good quality of life depending on whatever, you know, injuries you're dealing with um, that were from your pro career. But I'm going to counter you with this. Boxers fight, what, maybe once every four months? These guys are doing this 17, 18 weeks of the year. Yes, but but boxers are in the ring a lot. Yes, they are in the ring, most instances with headgear, but they're still getting pounded on the head, right? Well, they are, but it's just like what the NFL has done when they, you know, like this off season, they put in the mandate where you had to wear, I don't even know what it's called, but it goes over the helmet. It's supposed to limit head exposure um, or head trauma exposure. So it's, it's kind of apples to oranges, regardless of the symptoms. But, you know, the two of them, I mean, you're you're doing something and maybe you bring up a really good point about boxing and the issues we've seen, because, yeah, they are only doing it three times a month, four times or, you know, once every three months, once every four months versus an NFL player. So uh, very good point on your part. Well, not only that, it's not only the NFL players. The, the entire sport has changed. I know I'm 63 years old. You know, when I played football uh, in, in, in youth football, junior high school, high school, the practices were predicated on collisions. All right. We used to have drills, the nutcracker yep. drill. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. And 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 it was you had to show how tough you were. And it and, and we got dazed all the time playing football. I got dazed all the freaking time 
because we tackled with our helmets and we used our head and we had violent collisions. Now, yeah, I wasn't getting hit by a 300 pound person running a 4340 that bench pressed 500 pounds as Antonio talked about, but the reality was a concussion is a concussion, right? And I never used to come out, I played defense. I never I never missed a play in my, my playing days. I didn't come off the field one time. If I was dazed, I would play the next play. And, you know, I mean, so, I mean, the sport has changed significantly, how they practice. You were just talking about the headgear they wear on the practice field now. The lack of contact that you're allowed to have. The fact that now on youth level, youth football, the drills that you and I or others used to do, they don't do those drills anymore. So the whole sport has changed and will continue to evolve based on science and based on medical technology. I, I sure hope so, Grant. You're right. I mean, but let me ask you this. How many times did you hear the word concussion? when you were playing football zero not once exactly and so what i think about with some of these guys because you're a fool to think tua or anybody else in the nfl that has made it to that level has not had a concussion if not many concussions so i feel like the way that they test and the way they need to look at this is skewed because these guys are warriors they want to be on the field this is their livelihood but you know grant if you and i went skateboarding today and hit our heads on the pavement and we went to the doctor we're not going to pass a concussion test but these guys have been through it many times whether the test is different in ncaa or you know whether it's different in the nfl you know, there you're missing. You're, you're missing one key point here. Okay. It's not. It's not. Uh, you can call the players warriors. You can call them whatever they want. The power has been taking uh, has been taken away from them, as it relates to NFL protocols with head injuries. If you suffer a head injury, an independent neurologist on the field and others give you a concussion test, and if you don't pass it, it doesn't matter if you want to go into the game or not. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you are the most coherent, alert person on the face of the planet at that point in time. They're not putting you back in the game. You are not going back into the game. It used to be where you made your determination on whether you're going back to the game. All the players that played in the era that you and I were just talking about, it was their decision. They decided if they were going back in the game. I used to talk about this with Jack Youngblood all the time. I've talked about this with Fred Belitnikoff. I've talked about this with other great Hall of Famers. All right, I talked about this with Harry Carson on my radio show one day. It, it, they decided, the players decided if they're going back on the field, not the doctors. And that's why everything has changed in the NFL. Yeah, Grant, okay, you're right. And I, I want to say you're missing a point too as well, with okay. all due respect. What I'm saying is if you have had numerous concussions and you okay. have been through that testing, then you can find ways to pass those tests and whether you want to be on the field or whether you, you do not you know exactly what are you what are you what are you, what are you basing that on well grant think about the guys i mean can you well, well, well wait a minute though what are you basing that on how do you know that somebody can pass the test if they have a concussion i'm asking you just i'm curious sure. why would you say that Sure, Grant, I'm not saying a specific person in mind with you've had this many concussions, but I'm saying when you've been there through that process so many times, you know what's coming. And if you have enough drive to get through it, unless it's something very serious, like we saw with Tua last night, and thank God he was able to fly home. That shocked the hell out of me. Um, but 
you you know what's coming. So like Grant, okay, I'm going to give oh, you an example. Let me example. ask you a question. Let me ask okay. you a question. And I fortunately, and I have my hands high in the air. I have <laughs> driven in the past. I have driven in the past where I probably shouldn't have at some point in my life. So I'm not going to sit here and call the kettle Fair black. I, I, I've never been arrested for DUI. I've never been pulled over. I've never had to go through a sobriety test. But for those that have, are you telling me that if you've had DUIs and you've you've done sobriety tests and you've failed them in the in, in, in the past, that the next time you get one because you've now done it, you know how to pass it? I mean, I don't understand your rationale by saying that you could pass a concussion test just because you've had previous concussions and gone through the protocol. I don't agree. I don't I don't believe that's accurate, but I'm not a neurologist, but I don't believe that's true. And either am I. And it's a good question, Grant. But what I'm saying is, you know, it's coming. That's that. That's all I'm saying. So if you and I'm, I'm not talking about people that are knocked out like two of last night. I'm talking about people that are borderline on that line of concussion, where it's very hard to tell whether they have one or not. They know exactly what the test is going to be, just like in, in your example, if somebody is driving inebriated and they've had numerous drunk driving offenses, they know the test they're going to get. So unless you are so far on one side of the pendulum, then, you know, that's a different story. But if you are actually kind of right there in that middle where it still could be a concussion, but you know what you're going to expect, then, you know, it's possible for you to pass and still get on the field. I mean, do you kind of see my logic here? I, I, I don't see your logic in this sense because your logic is based on speculation. Your, your logic's not based on medical data. Have you talked to a neurologist about how you test someone for a concussion? And can you have just, uh, you're, you're, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't believe that your conversation with me is based on speaking with a neurologist who tests for concussions and how that whole process goes by. I mean, you can't just be a little concussed. You either have a concussion or you don't have a concussion. Are there more severities of head injuries? Yes, but you're assuming you're assuming that a borderline concussion is that you didn't say borderline, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sure. follow you here. You're saying that a borderline concussion may not be diagnosed by medical officials on the side of the field. And my question to you is, how do you know that? I don't how do you I, know I, that. I don't grant. I'm I am just going off of experience that that's literally it. I am not a neurologist. I have not talked to a neurologist. But I'm telling you, you as an athlete as well, there's when I got my first concussion, the coach came up to me and said, and by no means was I in the NFL. The coach came up and literally told me the questions that I was going to be asked. And I knew those questions going forward. And I was concussed a few other times. The first one was not that bad. He's like, hey, because the trainer says, what do you do on 226 cross down block? You down block. But if I am severely concussed or clearly concussed, I'm not going to be able to answer those questions. So I'm talking about that very gray area. And I'm not saying NFL coaches do that. NFL trainers, independent neurologists do that. I'm just saying these guys get into so many collisions and these guys have so many head injuries that they are in this protocol. So it, protocol is the wrong word. They go through the testing so much. So you know what's coming. So even if you are not severely concussed, uh, the bottom line is if your bell is rung, 
and you can still pass the test, you shouldn't be on the field. Like, honestly, what should happen is the guys upstairs should be able to say, you know what, that hit was enough, and they're supposed to. We talked about this. That hit was enough. And he is not going back in the game regardless of anything. Okay, so let's just assume that he should not have gone back into the game on Sunday. All right, let's just, for sake of conversation, agree that him going back and playing the second half on Sunday was a mistake. All right? Okay, that had nothing to do with him playing last night. Had nothing to do playing with him last night because he was evaluated numerous times and he did not sustain a head injury, according to the top medical professionals that that organization and the NFL have. So there are two separate issues. Him getting last hurt, him getting hurt last night, then would have had nothing to do with Sunday. Well, okay, I'm gonna, and I understand your point, Grant. I think it's a good point. But we all saw him hit his head as hard as he did, whether it was a back injury, whether it was a neck injury, whether you had a concussion or not. When he took that hit last night on a short week, which you've already touched on, that even if you have just a a hitch of a head injury, that is going to make it worse when you take a harder hit, even if it wasn't a concussion. So I do think they have something to do with each other. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. I think that one is completely separate than the other. Had he not played in the second half of the game on Sunday, and after the game, they came out and said, hey, he's fine. He's not under concussion protocol. He's been evaluated by the neurologist, team neurologist, and independent neurologist, doctors, trainers. He was also looked upon and tested on Monday. Uh, He did not exhibit any symptoms, both medically and visually, throughout the week. And he has been cleared to play by the entire team staff by all the doctors and he's playing on Thursday and the same thing happened that that had, one has nothing to do with the other. I'm sorry. I completely disagree. All right. I think we're making too much out of this. He should not have been on the field Sunday based on the protocol of the NFL. His symptoms were a no go. The visual symptoms of what happened on Sunday were no go. He should not have gone back onto the field against Buffalo, but that had nothing to do with him playing last night. Nothing. Okay, if it's a back injury, Grant, are you telling me that you can't or it's easier to protect your head if you're going to take a hard hit like he took? Hey, listen, uh, go, go, go walk through a practice facility on any day in the NFL. Guys are in whirlpools, hot tubs. Guys are on training tables. Right. It's it's like a hospital ward. Okay. do you know how many guys last night were on the field that probably shouldn't have been on the field? After playing uh, in the hundred degree heat on Sunday, seventy two hours later, you know, you know, you could probably pick ten half guys that, all right, or, well, I don't know about half, but there were a number of players last night that were on the field that probably should not have been on the field. Oh, and by the way, that's every Sunday in every locker room in every city in America. So we got to be careful about this. Guys play football when they probably shouldn't be playing. And it's been going on ever since the league started in 1925. And that's never going to change. Guys line up and play on Sundays, even when they know full well that they shouldn't based on an ankle, a knee, based on a shoulder, based on a back, based on this. I mean, Jack Youngblood played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. I mean, we can go on and on. Guys play in the NFL hurt. That's part of the game. It's an accepted risk that players take. Head injuries are different for obvious reasons. But, I mean, you got to be careful about how you say that.
Yeah, no, you're right, Grant. Um, the reason I said half of them, and I'm glad you clarified, uh, not just the Heat. I was talking about guys that probably have injuries that are minor on the injury list. That yeah. may be a little bit more serious than it actually is, but they tough it out. They uh, take the Tordone. They take the, I uh, forget the name of the other shot. Um, so, yeah, no, you're you're spot on. So that's why I said half, because these guys, and we're only in what? We're, we're going into week four, right? So yep. that that's a long and violent season. Uh, I guess, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. It is a long and violent season. Here's where I want to go with this in a nutshell, okay? And this is not directed at you or anybody else. Yeah. This is directed, this is a general statement that I came to, and again, it's my opinion. After watching all of the reaction on social media from blue check marks, okay, from a lot of different people that that automatically made themselves an expert on their situation and put themselves as neurologists last night on social media, I have a problem with that. That's the problem I have. I have a problem with someone sitting on their couch, all right, coming to concrete you know, observations based on what they think happened as opposed to what did happen. And that's my biggest issue. And I respect that, Grant. I mean, there's a difference when you are a reporter and you got a blue check next to you and you're making comments like that versus just a common fan. And none of us are neurologists or maybe there is a neurologist that commented on it, but um, it was very, very scary to see to his hands that way. And, um, you know, I've done some research on that, but anyways, we don't need to get all into that. The one question I'll ask before I give you my picks, you can give me a nutshell answer, is was it common when you were with the Kings, if a player was concussed, that they could fly, especially at that state that Tua was in, apparently, allegedly, was it common for them to be able to fly home? Well, first of all, concussions are extremely rare in the NBA. So I don't really recall an incident where we were on the road and would have a flight and a player with a concussion would get on the plane. I don't even recall players getting concussions. The only time a player would get concussed in the NBA, uh, well, obviously an elbow to the head, right? Right. An elbow to the head where that could happen. I mean, uh, we saw, you know, elbows into the jaw area and so there were concussions but i'm just saying they weren't that prevalent but you know they they occurred um do i recall a player yeah actually you know what yes a player would go on the plane after that if they had a concussion yes absolutely and the reason for that okay. is you wanted to have them with a medical uh person and or a trainer whatever the case may be supervising them and throughout the night as well at the next hotel we were going to. So yes, that did happen a couple of times now that I recollect. Yes, it did. Okay. I appreciate that, Grant. Yeah. The only thing I would add to the elbow, and I think that is probably uh, the most prevalent would be when a player gets their legs taken out from underneath them and they're not able to gather themselves. Cause I've seen that numerous times yep. where, you yep. know, they hit the yep. neck on the floor, hit their head on the floor. So Okay, uh, I've taken it up enough time, uh, and I appreciate the banner, by the way. It's a good conversation, and I excellent. Quite frankly, I wish we weren't having the conversation. <laughs> Let's be honest about that. Um, but I am going Green Bay over New England. 
I am going the Rams over San Francisco. I am going the Chiefs over Tampa Bay. And also give me Buffalo over Baltimore. And those are all against the spreads. Love it. Okay, sounds good. Hey, that was great dialogue today, and I'm looking forward to Monday. Sounds good, bud. Thank you so much, Grant. Looking forward to Monday, too. YouTube Live, a couple other platforms. Yep. Uh, Everybody be there. And, oh, by the way, Grant, before I hang up, I've gotten a few uh, messages from a couple of people that aren't listening to the show live. They're downloading it, which is really cool. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out, say hi. Uh, They've been you know, shooting me messages. So uh, I recognize Great. you. Thank you for the kind comments. And uh, Grant, I will talk to you Monday. Look forward to it, buddy. Take All care. Right, bud. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Let's get to uh, some other phone calls. And uh, we say hello to Waggus. We'll bring him on as soon as I get him on stage. And he's on stage right now. Hey, Waggus, how are you today? Good, good, Grant. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. What's happening? Uh, well, I, I, first of all, I want to say that, you know, this is kind of blown out of proportion. I, I don't think any coach in the NFL would ever try to put a player out there if he truly, you know, thought that something was wrong with his head. It's number one. Not, not number, in this day and age. Not, no. You know, it used to be like that, but not anymore. It used yeah. to be where coaches didn't give a damn but because they didn't have the science. But now you're 100% correct. I don't think Mike McDaniel would have put two on the field if he felt he had anything wrong with his head. I do agree with you there. Also, during the halftime, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was very close with Tua, right? Because um, they yep. played uh, on the same team. He said that he, he spoke to Tua all week and he seemed fine. So, you know, that's kind of cooperation, I guess, if you want to say it. And then Richard Sherman, unfortunately, makes a comment, which I thought that was kind of careless. Well, you know, this is a big game, so maybe they're like big game, you know, maybe we need this guy, you know, so wink, wink. I, I think that's what yeah. You know, I, I don't even know how Richard Sherman's on the air, to be honest with you, but that's just, you know, my opinion. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I get it. So I, I think the NFL will still be around. I think technology will st- get better. And um, and I think that, you know, there, there was a protocol and that was followed and because here's the thing. I mean, obviously, you know, if the doctors don't clear him, the coach can't do anything anyway. So, so yeah. And, That's correct. And I do think he'll be back. And, and I thought he looked pretty good from what he was playing. And, you know, I mean, let me ask you this. If he would have stayed in the game, would you have given them a chance to win it last night? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, so, I I kind of thought this was going to be like a coming out party for him on national stage. They were going to go 4-0, but obviously he got hurt. But. We'll see how he comes back. Um, so I, I wanted to give you my picks. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've got, so I'm going to go ahead and take Houston, um, you know, to, um, I think they're plus six, right? So I think they'll cover that. And then I'm going to have Green Bay covering at home. Green Bay is a favorite. Okay. They're going to cover at home. And then I will have Tennessee who's plus three and a half. I not only have them going into Indianapolis, but I think they'll definitely, I think they're going to pull out that game because Jonathan Taylor didn't even practice, I believe, and he's already got a toe injury. So I think they're down uh, from that point of view. And then lastly, I don't I don't know if Jackson will win, but they're six and a half, uh, you know, they're the underdogs by six and a half. I think they can cover that. I think it'll be a close game in Philly. Okie dokie. Uh I appreciate your picks. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Good stuff from Waggus. And uh, if you want to come on the show, 
it's easy to do. You hit your hand icon and I'll put you right up on stage with me. Connor, we'll get to you. How are you on this Friday, Connor? Doing great. How are you, Grant? I'm good, Connor. Thanks, buddy. That was a great discussion between you and Ryan. I had a couple Thank points you. on Tua. I agree with you with the social media was a huge overreaction last night. I saw someone say on Twitter that he thought that Tua would be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Just a joke. Stupid. It's and ridiculous. I went to the Kings play their first preseason game on Monday, so I wanted to talk a little Kings basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you completely that McNair doesn't deserve any extension. He hasn't done Not yet. hasn't won any games. I mean, you'd say good draft, but that means nothing when you're not winning any games. Correct. I and agree with you. I, I mean, there's no reason for it. Yeah, I had a question for you about the Kings. You said that Fox is obviously the biggest factor this season, but other than him, who do you think needs to like step up the most? Like, You know what you're going to get from Sabonis. No, you're going to get from Barnes. Who do you think has to take like a big leap for the Kings to be successful? Uh, that's a fabulous question. There are so many new pieces to this team. Like, for instance, at the two guard, who's going to be the starting two guard on the team this year? You know, their outside shooting last year after they traded Buddy Hill was dismal. They absolutely have to improve that aspect of the game. That's why they made the trade to get Kevin Herter. They went out and got Malik Monk. Um, I... That's a fabulous question. I, I don't I still I expect Keegan Murray to have a really good rookie season, but I don't know what to truly expect. Now he's going up against the big boys, you know, every single day. Rashawn Holmes appears to be healthy. Um, that's a really good question, Ryan. I mean, uh, Connor, I'm just going to have to wait and see a couple of these preseason games and see what Mike Brown's rotation may look like. I don't even know who's going to be starting yet. I think that's still. You know, up in the air, who's going to be starting at shooting guard? Who's good? You know, how's he going to use Davion Mitchell? How's he going to play? How many minutes is he going to play? Is he going to use three guards or is he going to use four guards? Well, I would think he's got to use four guards based on Monk and Herter and Mitchell and Fox. So I just want to see how he's going to divvy up the minutes. That's a really good question. Right now, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, if I would have to answer it today, I'd probably say Kevin Herter because it sounds like the Kings are raving about him and he seems like really tall for a guard. He can defend, he can shoot, he can basically do it all. So maybe he can start at the two or three, and maybe that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good player with Atlanta. You know, he's the type of player that doesn't do anything great, but does everything well. He's really a lot like Harrison Barnes in that way. I mean, you don't, you look at Harrison, you go, well, gee, he doesn't do this great, doesn't do this great, but he does everything well. So we'll see. You know, I think it's definitely an upgrade. I think Kevin Herter was an upgrade. I think that was a good trade. Yeah, me too. And then one more thing. I just saw today that Paul George came out and said that the Kings could be a big problem in the West this year. I'm assuming you don't agree yeah, I, with that, but pretty interesting. It's, like, it's, it's not a matter of whether I agree with her or not. I don't pay, I don't pay attention to talk uh, about all this stuff. I don't pay attention to media day. I don't pay attention to any of that. You know, it's this... I've learned as I went through is talk is very cheap. doesn't really matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what, and none of that stuff matters. All right. That's why you have the standings. Okay. That's why you have the standings that power rankings don't mean anything to me. All that the, the standings is the only thing that matters to me. And here's what I do know 16 years in a row, the Kings and the standings have never had 
of 41 next to their name in the first number. Okay. That's what I know. That's the only thing that matters to me. None of this other talk matters to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with the Kings, it's time to put up or shut up at this point. I mean, I, yeah. And if the, and if the Aaron Fox doesn't, if the Aaron Fox is going to shoot 72 or 73% from the line and he's going to shoot 30% from three and, you know, he's going to be off the on and off the floor with injuries, then it's going to be the same old story to me. If De'Aaron Fox continues to shoot that poorly from beyond the three-point line, then that diminishes his ability to use his greatest attribute, which is his speed, to get to the basket because it negates the pick and roll. It negates uh, his ability to beat the man off the dribble because they're going to be playing off him and giving him the three-point shot. So to me, that's where it starts for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs since I was three years old, so I'm still waiting wow. to watch my first postseason series. So yeah, hopefully good luck, it happens man. soon. Yep, <laughs> I hear you. All right, thanks, Connor. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Bye. All right, you still have time to get your picks in if you haven't already done so. Uh, I am looking forward to Monday. It's going to be a lot of fun. So put that on your calendar, 3 o'clock Pacific, coming up on Monday. All right, we got some nice college football games tomorrow, the uh, full slate of NFL on Sunday. When we talk on Monday, well, we'll be talking about a Raiders team that's 0-4. Are they going to get off the snide and beat the Denver Broncos coming up on Sunday? Tight game, divisional game, very good defense for Denver, but I don't think they can score enough. The Raiders need to figure out a way to win a game. All right, let's get to uh, Bella right here on Listen App. Hey, Bella, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm good. Same to you, Bella. Happy Friday. (laughs) I have a quick question. I know I'm obsessed with all your shows here. So are you going to have this Listen App um, on Monday? I think yes. you are, right? Every day. Are you going to get? Yep. Oh, okay. Awesome. It's four o'clock. Okay. Four o'clock Pacific. Yep. Oh, and NBA concussions, they're averaging two per hundred players. Someone on your there show you go. That, doing homework. There you go. Two you know what? I, I appreciate that. You should be my producer. I like that. That's good to know. So uh, I wonder, hey, do you know what it is in hockey? Probably nine for 10. I don't know. I mean, it's a, I yeah, was I'm just curious what it is in hockey. brought it up in basketball because I thought, what? Very rare, very rare. I think, yeah. So I looked it up and they had like between 2017, 2018, and then the recent season. So two per 100 is very, very low, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep, that's why I said I didn't see a lot of concussions uh, in the NBA. So very well said. Good research there, Bella. I appreciate it. (laughs) Good old Google. Well, have a great weekend. And I, I, I can't wait till Monday. Yep. Thank you, Bella. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Grant. Bye, everyone. Again, I believe in hockey. It would be interesting. I should Google that. Uh, We'll get the numbers there. But yeah, so uh, the new show starting on Monday. I'm very excited about the format. Uh, I really think this is going to be great. It's going to be something that we're going to grow, the brand and everything else. I've really been looking forward to this. I had to wait until the timing was right. Uh, The timing is right now. And so the new show uh, on YouTube Live. Again, it's my same channel. If you don't like that with Grant Napier, so if you go to watch my... And here's the other deal. Uh, the show will be streaming live on Twitter. It will be streaming live on Facebook and, of course, on YouTube. So if you follow me on Twitter, it will be shown live. If you follow me on Facebook, it will be shown live. 
on YouTube, it's going to be live. So if you have not yet subscribed, subscribe to my YouTube channel or, you know, at Grant Napier Show on Twitter or whatever the case is on Facebook, and you'll be able to watch the shows live. So that's Monday, the big show, 3 o'clock Pacific. Looking forward to it. Hope you have a fabulous weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday right here on Listen App, one hour after YouTube Live. So 3 o'clock Pacific, YouTube Live, 4 o'clock Pacific, right here on Listen App. So long, everybody.